0: Welcome to a special edition of Breaking Badness. In this episode for the Human Element miniseries, we're joined by Katie Nichols, Principal Intelligence Analyst at Red Canary. We sat down at RSA to discuss threat intelligence philosophies, analysis paralysis, and information sharing. This special episode of Breaking Badness is next. Well, I'm here with Katie Nichols from Red Canary. I'm so excited to be able to sit down and chat with you. Thank you for taking time out of this insane week to it's meet with pleasure. me. It's my pleasure. Yeah, it's so
1: awesome to be here. Thanks for taking the time. It's fun to be on the expo floor with all the lights and noises, but uh, good yes. to take a moment to chat.
0: <laughs> it's- every hungover person just, like, rolled over in their proverbial grave as you said that out loud. With I feel great. I slept light. almost
1: eight hours, like, oh, fresh, ready to go. Uh, yeah, my friend Rick Holland, he's like, you know, I'm not drinking the entire week at RSA. And I was like, Rick, I think you might be on to something. Like, it's weird <laughs> great feeling great in the morning. So,
0: Oh, yes. It makes the days much easier, doesn't yep. it? Long it's days, wonderful. but it's a lot of fun seeing it everyone. Really and
1: reconnecting, that's a big thing. Like, I, there are people that I see, like, twice a year here at RSA and in Black Hat. So.
0: Exactly. It's kind of nice... Um, It's like everybody is kind of kept in touch virtually and then they see each other and it's just all the feels, you know? Exactly. It's It's always fun. Like,
1: I follow you on Twitter. I follow you on Twitter. (laughs) It's so good to meet you in real life. Like the magic happens when people come together. So that's what's so great about the week.
0: Super energizing while exhausting simultaneously. Well said. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that actually is the first question I like to ask is, you know, we have these annual or biannual events that we all come to and It's just a great time to reflect right like what are we doing well what aren't we doing well Um, but I like to start with the positives just because we tend to go to a a sad scary place right away in security yeah so what do you think we've improved since you know 2019 at
1: this conference interesting I I mean I think collaboration every year just sharing with each other in this community which is something I really believe in Um, and you know talking about reconnecting with different people like there are people that I've shared information with throughout the year that you know, we send each other a tip, or like, hey, have you seen this? Or like, great blog post. Um, so I like to think that information sharing is improving. Uh, maybe that's an optimistic viewpoint, but I think more and more people are starting to understand that, like, we all have issues, um, and so kind of being a little more open about that, being a little more yeah. honest about, hey, you know, we experience ransomware as well. Um, you know, my colleague from our canary just wrote an amazing blog post on ransomware. That's one thing I've heard about a lot this week. Um, So if we start to share lessons learned, I think that helps everyone. Um, And I like to look for that, especially, you know, RSA is a very salesy conference, which like, working at a vendor now, you know, like we need to have customers to make money to funnel research, to fuel our research. So, um, but trying to look for opportunities for information sharing and connecting, even in the midst of sales that we all do, but realizing that, you know, by making those relationships and I mean, not to be cheesy, but the human element is so important. I love that theme, Right. making those relationships here this week is just going to help us all throughout the year as we kind of share and try to figure out how to, we're all in this together, you know, ultimately. Truly. we're all you know in the same boat trying to fight the same battles so that's, that's what, uh, what
0: that high school musical song was about I think yes <laughs> high school musical reference I like it now try to get that out of your head yeah that's not gonna happen I'm so sorry I did that it's to cool. you it's, it's worth cool. it for the joke though right yes absolutely <laughs> <laughs> well I actually want to pick your brain on this human element thing because yeah. I feel like every single person I've talked to has a different take on it so what does mm. it mean to you and what do you think about the theme
1: interestingly I love it I usually when I come to a conference I don't even think about the theme but um, I was so bummed I missed Wendy Nather's keynote. I heard it was amazing, but talking about how like we have to think about the human element of cybersecurity, and I went to Lance Spitzner's talk. He focuses on uh, securing the human for SANS. You know, the fact that we, you know, humans are part of this ecosystem, and yeah. we so often blame users. You know, you can't fix stupid. But Lance talked about this idea that well no, humans are gonna be humans. You know, this idea of you know Daniel Kahneman's system one thinking, we react quickly. And with the knowledge, that's what humans are. You know, we're curious, we click on links. We have to design around that as security professionals and just realize that it's not the users to blame. So to me, it's all about realizing that, you know, we got people, process, and technology. We so often ignore the people. And especially at events, it's all about you know, often selling technology thinking back to that human element of it's people too that you can have the best technology in the world but you don't have the process if you don't have good people then your technology is not going to be super effective so um that's that's how i interpret it and i kind of love that theme because that's something in threat intel that we talk about the importance of talking to humans in your organization about what do they care about um so i i love the human element theme and which is rare because I'm a little bit, you know, cynical cybersecurity professional, like <laughs> themes are stupid, but I love this. <laughs> and they also had the really the coolest wall that I tweeted about. I don't know if you've seen it. No. They have these buttons up and it's like, organized in like a big brain. And it basically says, what type of human are you? And so you take Ooh. the button that best represents you and your role. And so I took one that says glue. Ooh. I don't know if you've read, there's an amazing blog post by someone, a woman who was previously at Google called Being the Glue, oh. that talks about this role that's often underappreciated in teams, it's often held by women, of like the person who does the documentation, the person who's like, okay, everyone, like, let's get together, the person who, even if they're not a lead, sort of takes that driving force, yeah. and it's called Being the Glue. And you you should totally read it. It's such a great blog post, a presentation as well. And so I took the glue because trying to bring to light the fact that women so often take on these underappreciated roles. And I do that often as well on my teams. Naturally, I come in and I'm like, okay, everyone, let's try to like do this. Let's get organized. Let's do these important documentation roles. Um, So yeah, I am the glue. And so that's what I my love buttons that. says. Yeah. I'm definitely really cool going to read that. You should article. check out the buttons.
0: I will check out the buttons. I will check out this blog, yes. this article, and I'll make glue. sure to link it too in the post yes, have absolutely. that as a resource. That's really cool. Um and I want to go back to, um, you had mentioned a SANS instructor. Yeah. You were also a SANS instructor. I don't know why I'm saying that to you like you might not know that. <laughs> Surprise. I am indeed. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, sometimes I have to pinch
1: myself, so I appreciate the reminder. Anytime.
0: Yeah, no. I would, yeah. yeah I'll be a person, happily. And I know you are incredible with CTI. You teach 4578. Yep. So I would love to pick your brain a little bit on your perspective around CTI. And I think it's also relevant with what we're just talking about, like, the human part oftentimes is the intelligence, right? We need to be able to contextualize and not just see data, but the the value of, is in the context, obviously. So what what is your sort of CTI philosophy, if you will?
1: Interesting. What is my CTI philosophy? I guess to summarize, it would be that cyber threat intel is all about helping your organizations drive change and make better decisions. Uh, so many people miss the point of intelligence is to help, is to help decision makers, consumers, people in security operation centers who are trying to prioritize all these alerts they're drowning in. There are a lot of different use cases for a CTI. Um, and so, you know, in Forensics 5.78 that I teach for SANS, we start on day one talking about requirements. Mm. What does your team need? And it's funny because I found that term requirements is often scary to people. Like it sounds <laughs> like a big term and it does come from government, but requirements are just... Pain points, problems you have. So, you know, I came into Red Canary, into their Intel team a month and a half ago, and the first thing I did as a CTI analyst is say, okay, start to collect those requirements. I came in as a CTI analyst and said, what are the things that people are struggling with? What do our customers need? What are the people who are trying to push detections to customers need? How are they trying to prioritize what things are bad? And so making my mental list and what are the pain points and requirements. So to me, CTI is all about a really powerful driving force in organizations to help you prioritize, make better decisions which so many people miss. A lot of people think it's sort of just copying and pasting indicators of compromise and scanning for them on your networks, which can be a piece of it. But right. to me, CTI is all about being a you know force multiplier, if you will, to, to drive change in organizations. So that, I that's love my that. philosophy. Yes, force multiplier. It's very much a military term, but <laughs> I like that. And I also think information sharing is a force multiplier. So all yes. about you know doing more with less and prioritizing your limited resources that we all have.
0: I think that's fantastic. Did you already have that nailed? Because you were on you were put on the spot for that, and that was seamless. That was incredible. I think
1: about cyber threat Intel a lot. <laughs> and people often they're confused. It's one yeah. of those things that it's very easy for it to get commercialized or productized and miss the point. Yeah. And so that's sort of my personal philosophy. And I get to do it a lot with teaching for Sans and just going out and talking, you know, previously in my role at Attack, now on the Intel team at Red Canary, just talking to people about why does Intel matter. Yeah. So that's something I'm really passionate about. And... When you're passionate about it, it's easy to answer any questions on it. Yes.
0: Well, it's kind of interesting, too, when you're talking about requirements. That, like, eases my anxiety because I feel like being in a position where you have all of these different data sets you could be ingesting and feeds or whatever that might look like, that would be exhausting to try to – I mean, prioritization and requirements are just a necessity if you're planning to actually – make something from and get value from what you're inputting there. So, yeah, that's overwhelming. Like trying to figure out what data do you need? Yeah. Um, So there's a beautiful
1: framework called a collection management framework that if anyone's struggling with what data do we need? So the whole idea is, you know, going back to those requirements. What what do we need? Once you have the what do my teams need? What decisions do we have to make? Try to figure out what data, what collection do we need? to help with those decisions. Yes. Which is why it all starts with those requirements. So collection management framework, you can kind of line up, like, what kind of data do we add? Do we have endpoint data? Do we have packet captured? Do we have network flow? Yeah. And then how do each of those data sets, whether it's internal or external, or bringing in things like who is, historical who is, totally. malware analysis data, figuring out which of those collection sources help us actually solve our requirements. Yes. So it's a really common thing that I hear is, like, there's so much data we could get, what do we need? And of course, right. the answer, like any good CTI analyst, is it depends. <laughs> totally. I love to answer questions with it depends. So that's uh, <laughs> always fun. It's really frustrating for for folks to ask an analyst, like, well, what should we do? Well, it depends. <laughs> but then you try to help them. Yeah, I, yeah. Don't, I don't just stop there. Sometimes <laughs> I do if I'm in a mean mood. But
0: <laughs> That makes so much sense, though. It's all in the context of your environment, what your potential targets are, if you're threat modeling, too. Like, what are your assets that you need to help? Put at the top of the list there because there's it's nearly impossible to to totally lock down your entire network. Exactly. Yeah, threat intel about prioritizing. You know, we can't look everywhere. We can't look
1: at every single threat. Right. Um, Yeah, I'm passionate about threat modeling too. You're hitting all of my favorite things. (laughs) You know, this idea that there are hundreds, or if not thousands, of different clusters or groups and different malware samples out there that we can't protect against all of them. So looking at what matters to your organization. You know, a healthcare organization is going to have a very different threat model than a government. So looking at what you care about. So threat analysts can
0: help there too. I feel like there are a lot of personal lessons in this podcast. It's like, be vulnerable, be humble, and know what you need help on and share. Also... (laughs)
1: All of the things that I believe in. <laughs> yeah. Humility,
0: sharing. Yes, we're hitting all of these key things. <laughs> yes, things we got to take with us to work that we take in as people, right? Yeah, oh, wonderful. That's what we try to do. warms my heart. It's <laughs> good to hear. <laughs> well, I have a, a more in-depth question. I'm going to pull out my paper here because I want to make sure, sure I give this person credit. There was a really cool thread that you retweeted from Chris Sanders on what to do when you get stuck in an investigation. And I feel like... Every analyst has had this moment, right, where you're, you're just down a path and you hit a wall. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this challenge and any recommendations you have for folks listening in. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Chris Sanders, such a smart dude. And this is what I love about Twitter, that there are people like Chris that I had never met in real life until, you know, last DerbyCon, I think, that you can engage with and meet new people and share ideas. So he's such a yeah. good guy. And, yeah, talking about this idea of analysis paralysis which is what I call it, that yeah. maybe you get too in the weeds. Um, I had a student this week or actually last month who told me, you know, I have this challenge when I'm looking at a bunch of data or, you know, analysis of, a, of an issue that I go too far down a rabbit hole that I keep pulling. And when we talk about doing like link analysis, you can pivot and pivot and pivot and prove anything is connected to anything. <gasps> right. I said, like, how do I pull myself out of that rabbit hole? Um, so, the answer, and this is the answer to so many things, is having a team. Having other people who think differently than you. Um, we talk about the importance of diversity, like not just diversity in gender or race or background, but diversity of thought. Yeah. Like someone who has a you know, liberal arts background is going to think very differently than someone with a computer science or engineering background. So, one Absolutely. thing I always say, especially if you threat Intel teams, is to surround yourself with people who think differently. Because that way, you know, if you're going down a rabbit hole or you have analysis paralysis of like, I feel like I have a block and I don't know where to go for this data or to try to investigate further, someone might know something you don't, you know? And this is where also having new people on teams is so important because when you're trying to brainstorm like creative things or creative things adversaries might do or creative ways to solve problems, sometimes the new people will be the best at saying, have you thought about this? And when they say it, you're like, wow, that's a really obvious solution. But if we get into a rut, you know, as humans, we CTI analysts, we often talk about this idea of cognitive biases, that something Mm. like confirmation bias, you know, you're more likely to fit something into a hypothesis you already hold. You know, if you already think a certain way, you're more likely to just do it the same way. So having people who think differently, new people interject new ideas, can kind of like shake you out of your uh, <laughs> your trance, if you will, and yeah. help you uh, proceed through that analysis paralysis.
0: Yes, I love that. And I also love that in every single interview that has come up, this idea of diversity of thought, diversity of people. I'm so glad to hear that. Oh, I think this community happy. is finally getting it. And, yeah. you
1: know, it's, it's interesting because people often say, well, like, yeah, we should hire, you know, women or minorities and whatever underrepresented minority onto our team. But sometimes people miss the why. Like, yes, it's the right thing to yeah. do. But also you need it for your teams because if you all think the same way, you know, it's your not team is not gonna be as successful. And their study is showing that, you know, companies with female executives actually do better. Because they just have a different, yeah, like cheer <laughs> for that, you know. They just have a different leadership style and bring different things to the table. So so important, yeah. and I am so happy to hear other people have
0: said that. Yes. too. Yes, yes, you are making progress. Nine for nine so far. That is so great. That's wonderful. It makes me so happy. Um, so something on that note that I want to bring up is I know that you you know you must have so much spare time on your hands because you have all these other groups that you're <laughs> super involved in. Do you want to talk about those a little bit? Yeah. So. I do a
1: lot of things and sometimes <laughs> it makes me tired like thinking of it, but day to day, you know, I just I do what I feel passionate about. Um, so a red day job at Red Canary as an Intel analyst, teaching first stands. Uh, I also volunteer with a group called the Women's Society of Cyberjutsu. Uh we have a program called the Cyberjutsu Girls Academy. Based on Northern Virginia, we also have a chapter in North Carolina of the Cyberjutsu Girls, and so what we do, we bring together teenage girls once a month for workshops. We cover everything from mobile apps to forensics to we have a wearable tech um, uh, workshop where we do soldering, which is a little bit scary when you have <laughs> you know twelve year old soldering, but it's a lot of fun and That's it's so just been cool. an amazing amazing thing to do to try to bring along the next generation of women in this field. That's something I really believe believe in strongly. And you know, studies show that often middle school is when women start to lose interest in STEM fields. Interesting. And so our goal is, okay, at that point where maybe they feel a little weird because they're the only, you know, girl in their math class who's you know advanced math, or you know, the only woman in their cybersecurity program when they get into college. So CyberJitsu Girls Academy really focuses on middle school, and then Women's Society of CyberJitsu, professional organization for women who are trying to get in the field. Or who are already in the field just trying to create that community how do we pull each other up you know yeah. as as someone who has had some level of success in this field because of people who have helped me I want to help others. And like, is there a woman I can help, you know, have a career conversation with or just chat with or point to a resource or talk to about CTI? Anything I can do to help other women because I believe so passionately that we need more women in this field to change it up, to increase to our diversity of thoughts. So I'm really passionate about that. And anything I can do to, to help that, that's uh, how I like to spend my time. That's
0: awesome. And I couldn't agree more. You do so much already. That's incredible that you're able to add those things on your plate and um, that's something I actually was just talking about with Aisha and um, her and Jennifer Leggio are hoping to start a pay it forward program where you're also holding each other people accountable you go and you help them and you ask for them to go help others and and they have to report back to you and tell you what they did for that other person and I love that idea Um, so it sounds like you're doing that as well and um, yeah I'm really glad there are people like yourself that are out there doing that hard work
1: yeah, that's, that's awesome. It's so important to have mentors in your life. And that's what, you know, I realize um, that's how I've gotten to where I am, both women and men mentoring me, you know, initially I had never really thought of teaching for SANS, for example, and awesome mentors at SANS are Rob T. Lee, Robert M. Lee, Phil Hagen, Matt Bromley, and then Sarah Edwards, Heather Mahalak, all of these people of saw potential in me and said, hey, Katie, you know, we think you'd be amazing at teaching for Sands. And I was like, really? And oh, uh, Let yeah. me see how it goes. And, uh, you know, I think there's this myth that people who are, you know, successful in this industry, you know, get there alone or like it's because they've worked hard. And yeah, I've worked hard. But without those people mentoring me, I wouldn't be where I am at all. And so I love that idea of like mentorship and accountability. Yeah. Um, yeah. Diana Initiative, I know coming up this summer, They're mentoring speakers, which is another awesome thing to do. And then I'm really passionate about that. You know, again, I never thought I would do public speaking. I got my start in government over 10 years ago. Like, I would be, you know, freaking out,
0: 10-year-old me, um,
1: (laughs) that I would be publicly speaking about cyber threat intel. But something I really enjoy. And so, you know, anything I can do to help someone who's like, I'm not really sure if I want to speak or how do I do that or you know you start somewhere so yeah. i love the diana initiative other conferences i'm involved in the cti summit we mentor speakers to try to say like it's okay if this is your first time talking mm-hmm. like we'll help you out we'll help you polish your slides make sure you don't have any 12 point fonts not that that's a pet peeve of mine for example <laughs> but we'll make sure you don't have any small fonts on your slides and help you through because i remember yeah my first public talk was uh, besides las vegas like a year and a half two years ago and it's always really scary You're, first time you speak but then after that every time it gets easier and easier so
0: yes I work with a lot of people I don't do a whole lot of public speaking myself but um, that will will do webinars and whatnot and I'm often coaching them through that and I feel like there's this this 10 minutes into the first time they're presenting and something just clicks and falls into place and you see them just relax and just the first time after you rip off that band-aid like you said there's this this ease that comes and it just gets easier and easier with practice so exactly yeah, yeah. it usually takes me about
1: 10 minutes to settle down for any yeah. longer talk you my colleagues have commented on that and anyone the thing is even after you've done speaking for a while you still get nervous. Anyone yeah. who doesn't is lying. Right. Everyone gets a little bit nervous especially for you know a big room or a big event. Yeah. Um, we all get nervous but I always tell new speakers like that's how your body knows you're preparing. You get like extra energy from those endorphins. Yeah. And that's how you prepare and it shows that you're taking it seriously. If, if you didn't yeah. get nervous and you just kind of wing it and you're like yeah I'm just going to roll up
0: there and say whatever. Yeah. You're not taking it seriously. So. Right. It's okay to get nervous. We all do. Yep. It's true. It means you don't care. It's, exactly. Yep. I feel like nobody. Even on that level, though, they must care about how people at least perceive them. (laughs) They have just been projecting here. But uh, that's yeah, you're absolutely right. Everyone feels that. And other advice that I like to give, too, is I think people always beat themselves up. And they're like, I said this wrong. And I'm like, you're the only one that knew that what you're going to say. I say that all the time. (laughs) You
1: know, you practice through your presentation and you're like, on this slide, I want to hit these five points. You only hit three of them. As you said, no one knows that.
0: And if they do, we have to figure out how to read other people's minds. Yeah. that person exactly. is amazing. It's very
1: impressive <laughs> if they knew what you were supposed to say. Yeah. 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 The, the other thing I say is that every time every time you speak, you learn something new. Um, and I recommend just choosing one or two little things. Um, mm. If you have a trusted friend, it's always tough to get feedback but if you have a trusted friend. Mine was, I said so a lot early mm. on in presenting. And I had someone at SANS point that out to me. And so I slowly over time tried to stop starting sentences with so. It's funny that now that I've said it, I'm going to say so (laughs) like every other word. Um, But trying to look for those crutch words or, you know, hey, you need to breathe more. That's a common one that I hear Mm. is just breathing. Yeah. It's when you're nervous, it's so easy to... talk on and on and on and then you're gasping for air right that's another tip that people gave me interesting um yeah i try to think of one little thing each talk and hey what can i improve on one or two little things because if you get too much there are 20 things i need to improve on just one or two little things each talk and challenge yourself to improve
0: over time i love that that's really helpful advice yep yeah breathing especially i feel like just (laughs) breathe just take a second that's the other thing too is just giving yourself a chance to pause it's totally normal it's so funny because when you're speaking and you
1: pause, however long you pause for feels about a hundred times as it does <laughs> to the audience. That's a hundred times as long as the it pause does for multiplier. the audience. Yeah, yeah the pause yeah. multiplier. But it's okay to pause and it gives people time to catch up yeah. and think through what you just said. Um, so that's a huge, huge challenge is getting used to being okay with pausing.
0: Yeah, couldn't agree more. And not to take a U-turn and go back to where we started the conversation, but... Going full circle. um, Yeah, full circle, if you will. Um, I'd love to hear what you think in terms of what we should be improving. And when we come back in 2021 at RSA, what do you hope we would have done a better job?
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: I think that
1: one of the things that we could really improve on is, again, information sharing. It's kind of funny because I said we were doing better with information sharing, but we have further to go. Um, yeah. For example, my a former colleague from at the, the attack team um, is working on an effort called Attack Sightings, where trying to bring together different anonymized data from different people to be able to say, okay, for example, this technique is trending this week, or you know, this behavior is more common in this industry. And what I found, you know, on the attack team, and I'm still seeing, is people are often hesitant to share anything indicating that they've been breached. Um, You know, in Threat Intel, we often see reports focusing on malware. You know, we went through VirusTotal, we found this sample. My uh, friend Joe Slowick wrote a great paper about the limitations of looking at malware. And I think that especially, you know, this next year, I'm hoping people will get a little more open about sharing that kind of post-compromised data. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where we focus a lot at Red Canary. So we actually have a report called the Threat Detection Report that it was great. The rest of the Red Canary team kind of wrote it, and then I come in last minute, and I get to moderate a webinar on it in March, it'll be fun, but talking about what techniques, what behaviors we've seen from adversaries over the past year, and trying to aggregate that data so people can, you know, in threat intel context, make better decisions. What are the techniques that adversaries are most likely to use, so where should we prioritize our defenses? Absolutely. Um, And I'm really hoping that, you know, people will start to realize we all get compromised, if we share this data, it can help other people figure out what do we do when we get compromised. So I'm hoping that there'll be more of that. Um, Chris Krebs from CISA is here talking about kind of the DHS role in that. So I think that'll be interesting, seeing how the public-private partnerships will work. It's always a challenge. Uh, But information sharing is something that really interests me in that, you know, how do we overcome that hesitancy to share, to admit that we got compromised or we've seen an intrusion to realize that, you know, helping... Helping others by sharing that data is something we should be doing. Yeah, Um, it's it's tough though. So I think you know information sharing—we've come a long way, but more to do in this in this next year.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. It is really vulnerable. Uh, I guess pun intended Uh, to be able to share that (laughs) information. She'll be here all week. Yes, I may or may not have a tiny desk drum set um, for such pun occasions. So I would. I might actually physically do that if I had it available. I like the puns. I am <laughs> terrible with puns. Um, my friend Maggie
1: and then uh, Bryson Bortz from Scythe, they go back and forth with dad jokes and <laughs> puns on Twitter all the time, and I just sit there, and I don't know how people do it. So you are a punny. I am not, oh, but I have respect kind for the puns. Of you.
0: <laughs> there was, um, I was at a conference, and there was a company talking about how they had an internal podcast, and one of the games they would play is have a dad joke off. And they would just keep going back and forth with these nice. puns. So it's pretty it's pretty entertaining to think about. Hashtag dad jokes. Hashtag it's dad jokes. Hashtag. Lots of groaning. <laughs> yes. that's, the, that's the best response when you tell a really bad joke when people, like, their eyes roll into the back of their head and they lose a part of their soul. You're like, hey, I have succeeded in life. <laughs> that's all you need. Can call it a day now. Yeah. <laughs> well... I want to be respectful of your time, and I also want to end the conversation on the positive note, in which we started. Um, and you've given a lot of shout-outs and wonderful um, thank yous throughout our discussion, but are there any people that inspire you that you want to give some props to on today's podcast? Yeah, a couple of people, um, a couple of amazing allies.
1: Uh, one person I want to call out, Matt Graber. He uh, previously was at Specter Ops and just joined Red Canary a couple weeks after I did. And Matt is one of those people that um, like, you know, Chris Sanders, that makes me grateful for InfoSec Twitter, even though sometimes it's a dumpster fire. Um, (laughs) Matt is one of those people. And if he's listening, he's going to be so embarrassed because he's such a humble guy. But he is so thoughtful about how he goes, goes about life and in this community. Um, And something, you know, Matt and I have talked about a lot. It's just this, this idea of when we start to get critical of others it so often comes back to some kind of insecurity or fear in ourselves. And Matt is one of those forces for positivity in this community. He's such an amazing ally to amplify women and other underrepresented minorities. And he's just one of those voices, part of this crew of people who are advocating for decency in this community, raising others up rather than tearing each other down. And, you know, I've tried to be a little more more mindful myself as a result of knowing Matt. And just saying, you know, if I see something or maybe a presentation that I'm like, oh, you know, this cyber threat intel presentation, this is they don't know what they're talking about. Like, well, who am I to say that, you know, and where is that coming from? Often it's a place of me. Oh, well, if I don't knock someone else down, people aren't going to know that I'm an expert on CTI. Mm. That's that's not how to do it. You know, I should people should realize my expertise from how I talk to them, how I talk about threat intel with passion. I don't need to knock someone else down to lift myself up. So I'd say Matt Graber, just a really positive force for for good in this community as an ally. And I'm just grateful because there are so many people like Matt, like Chris, like all the SANS folks, Lance Spitzner who tweeted about my session on Thursday. You know, all these people who are lifting up folks in the community
0: and more of that. And I think we're going to have a really good 2020. I love that. That, I really appreciate that. It's really, for me, I'll just say it's really inspiring to talk to people like you and all the people I get to chat with on this podcast. This is um, just what a motivational time to spend together so we can just come out of RSA and just kick butt. So Let's do it. Thank yes. you so much for having me and taking the time Any to chat. Time. It was great to meet you. Thank you, Katie. I hope you have a great rest of your conference. Thanks. You too. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at DomainTools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.